This is one device. And we are calling it iPhone. Today, today Apple is going to reinvent the phone. Apple may want people to download music on their cell phones, but will they actually do that? What is, uh, what is really surprising is to see that, you know, hey, it's, it's 4 or 5% of the uh, general population who have actually done these activities. So it's still a, a very minute fraction of the general population who have done multimedia content acquisition via a mobile phone. That's Matt Kleinschmidt of Ipsos Insight Research and his groundbreaking tempo survey of actual downloading behaviors can give us some indicators about whether people will actually use the Apple iPhone. I'm Steve Lubetkin, and this is the CompuSchmooze podcast for Tuesday, January 23, 2007. Hello and welcome to the CompuSchmooze podcast. This is episode 19 in our podcast series. I'm Steve Lubetkin, I'm host of these podcasts, and I write the CompuSchmooze technology column that appears monthly in the Jewish community voice of southern New Jersey. This podcast is a supplement to that column, and it gives us an opportunity to bring you some of the interviews we conduct when we're writing the column in a little bit more detail. In this CompuSchmooze podcast, we have two interviews. Our first interview is with Matt Kleinschmidt. He's a vice president at Ipsos Insight, a research firm headquartered in Canada. As the creator and editor of the groundbreaking quarterly report Tempo, Keeping Pace with Digital Music Behavior, Matt Kleinschmidt is recognized as a leading expert in the digital music domain. Now, Tempo has measured and tracked global consumer digital music behavior since 1999, even before most of us knew what MP3 files were. He's attracted sponsors from the retail, consumer electronics, computer hardware, and music recording industries, trying to figure out what consumer behavior makes sense in the digital recording world. As vice president for Ipsos Insights Technology and Communications Practice, Matt gives his clients creative research techniques and expert insight to clients who are working in the digital music, technology, wireless, and the telecommunications industries. He's an author of digital music articles and a leading commentator on developments in digital music behavior. He attended the University of Minnesota as a presidential scholar, and that's where he got his degree in political science, specializing in geopolitical economic theory. We spoke to Matt by phone from his office in Chicago. First, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Tell me a little bit about the survey you did. What led you to do a survey of people's awareness of mobile music options? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, well, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, in this category, as you well know, there's a, there's a lot of dynamic changes happening. And, uh, you know, a lot of times uh, folks who, who are really intricately involved in the, the digital music space oftentimes forget about sort of general mass market uh, population uh, acquisition and awareness of uh, a lot of these different uh, options. So what we do um, as a part of our Tempo program and a Tempo is a shared cost digital music tracking service that we've been running since 2002. Um, what we do is we, we sample a representative group of the American population every three months. And it is general population. 
uh, ages 12 and older. And so it really is a great barometer for uh, helping us understand which of these technologies uh, relating to digital music um, are really filtering out into the mass market. So on the mobile music side of things, what, what we really wanted to understand is there's, there's been a lot of uh, advertising around uh, mobile music services. There's been a lot of um, advertising around handsets that have the ability to play music. And we wanted to get a sense as to, you know, American, do the American population really understand that um, accessing, downloading, listening, et cetera, um, of music is possible on a mobile phone? And uh, what percentage of them are actually doing so as well? So what were some of the findings you came up with? Well, first of all, uh, one of the things that's most interesting is that uh, really awareness of mobile music options is in, is very strong among the American population. So clearly, the efforts that have been undertaken on advertising and about the various services that have been rolled out by some of the major service providers, as well as the handsets, are having an, an impact. In fact, uh, 70% of uh, American mobile phone owners are aware of the ability to download full music songs to their mobile phone. The flip side of that is that really only 1 in 20 uh, about 4% have actually downloaded uh, full digital music songs uh, over the air in the past 30 days. So um, it is still a relatively niche activity, but uh, these proportions have been growing, and uh, the past 30-day downloading uh, proportion has doubled um, since 2005. Of the people who are actually doing the downloading, Matt, is there a particular age group that dominates and a particular gender that dominates? Traditionally, what we've seen is a mobile music application activities are really dominated by uh, males and females who are really uh, 12 to 24. So these so sorts of activities and applications really are appealing to a unique group of uh, the digital music population. Uh, 12 to 24-year-olds have traditionally been um, the target segment for a lot of the, mu the mobile music services and the internet-based music services as well. But there's been a real challenge in, in converting these uh, users into uh, fee-based options. So they've been uh, really the core file sharers over time and uh, getting them to really um, pay to download music, whether it be via a uh, service such as iTunes or um, via a mobile uh, service provider has really been a challenge. So what's really interesting is to see that uh, really uh, males and females that are teens and, and college age are really the, the folks who are adopting uh, you know the mobile music options thus far. Now, why that's why it's really interesting is that, you know, given that this group has been really hard to target on the internet-based uh, music acquisition side of things, really mobile music may represent a way to kind of bring these uh, traditionally non-paid users back into the fold. So, a way to really um, have a, a unique offering that is really uh, you can't really get. Uh, music uh, delivered to your phone via a file sharing service. So it's a, it's a way to really capture this, uh, this audience in a fee-based environment. What do you think is the, um, the future of mobile downloads, Matt? Is it, are we likely to see um, cell phones increasingly become more like a combination device with uh, the iPod-like or the MP3 player capabilities built in? Well, there's a lot of uh, a lot of conflicting opinions about that out there right now, um, and a lot of the research that we that we do, and and again, the Temple program is something that we do. It's a sort of a public survey that we um, you know release a lot of the information uh, in press releases and publicly, and it's something that uh, a variety of different clients sponsor and, and buy into. Um, but we do do a lot of uh, proprietary custom research um, that over the years has really suggested that uh, Americans are not necessarily looking for the one device that does everything. Um, 
on the mobile phone side of things, um, we have seen interest in more multimedia applications such as digital music, ringtones, digital video, etc. But we haven't necessarily seen the interest uh, being in replacing another device with a mobile phone uh, for those activities, but rather as a supplement or an addition. So, for example, I would not be surprised to see that um, you know there that a mobile phone that plays music is is very much able to coexist alongside a standalone MP3 player two, three, four years from now. Um, there are going to be those folks who wanted to want to have the access to music via a mobile device. Um, but there's still a lot of issues with, you know, if you once you put the music on a mobile device, do you have access to it elsewhere? Can you listen to it in another application? Can you get it off the phone, etc.? So those are all issues that point to the the idea that the mobile device is still, in many respects, viewed as sort of a disposable medium in terms of content, and it really represents an avenue to capture that impulse buy with an existing billing relationship um, that really is, is sort of a separate transaction and a separate purchase scenario than someone who may be looking to buy music off of iTunes and add it to their permanent collection. One aspect of your survey had to do with digital video downloads, music videos and other kinds of video clips. Are we likely to see people doing more watching of videos on their cell phones? Is that something that's coming along? Absolutely. I think there's some really unique uh, applications there. I mean, we're starting to see uh, some of the, the major service providers offering video-related services. And, you know, thus far, the acquisition of these are, are really, really minor. 3% of the American uh, of American mobile phones have ever downloaded music videos to their mobile phone. And about 2% have ever downloaded short video clips. So it's, clearly, this is, this is really just a very nascent behavior. Um, again, it's 18 to 24-year-olds who are the most likely to have done these activities, um, and also teenagers as well. Um, but certainly there's there's plenty of room for growth in this area. Uh, one of the things that we, we're watching very, very carefully is not just the viewing of, of videos um, and obviously downloading songs and whatnot uh, to a mobile device, but also um, with the, uh, you know, in the past year, all of the, the uh, activities surrounding YouTube and social networking and the whole idea of user-generated video and content is really gaining steam. And uh, we've seen some recent partnerships uh, with YouTube and some of the uh, one of the major wireless service providers, um, which really opens up the, a unique and, and, and interesting idea of users actually filming content on their mobile phone and uploading it. So it opens up a whole new uh, sort of arena for um, on-the-spot video coverage of certain events, sporting events, um, other sorts of, um, of live uh, uh, sort of uh, on-the-go events that could potentially be instantaneously uploaded and then downloaded via um, you know a traditional service like YouTube around the world. So there's some definitely some interesting and compelling uh, uh, channels that are out there that we're just starting to uh, to see uh, unfold. In the course of uh, tabulating the survey results, Matt, did you come across any surprises? Things you weren't expecting to find out. You know, to be honest with you, I think the the biggest surprise is, and it always it always is a bit surprising to me, is that you know everyone kind of going back to what I what I uh, mentioned a little bit earlier, and that 
you know, when you cover the the category as heavily as a lot of us do, you really get sort of, in many respects, swept away with a lot of the hype and the press and the media surrounding a lot of these new applications and technologies. And I think what is uh, what is really surprising is to see that you know, hey, it's it's four or five percent of the uh, general population who have actually done these activities. So it's still a, a very minute fraction of the general population who have done multimedia content acquisition via a mobile phone. So it's still definitely a nascent market, something that is uh, we were keeping our eye on, but definitely nothing that you would you would look to and say, wow, this is this is mass market. This is uh, a huge occurrence and uh, something that we should be taking note of. So something to keep our eye on moving down uh, down the road, but nothing that is going to significantly significantly impact anyone's business in the immediate near term. And and just for perspective, uh, do you have tracking results from a prior year study that that tell us, you know, how this this market, this volume of people has grown? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, clearly, if we're if we're thinking current year, a lot of the major music ser- or online, uh, a lot of the major wireless carriers just launched their online music services this past year. So before that, our percentages for full song uh, digital music acquisition via a mobile phone was really um, negligible. You know, one one percent within the margin of error on the sample. And uh, you know what we have seen. Um, now is obviously we're starting to get up to a percentage of four to five percent, something like that. So again, very small. Um, perhaps a better way to look at this would be to think of something that is, uh, you know, a little bit uh, more more established or well established in the marketplace. And a good example of that would be ringtones. So ringtones now have been around for uh, several years. And uh, we've seen a lot of growth in that category um, over uh, the past several years. And again, the primary drivers of that growth have been uh, teens and college-age Americans, uh, both males and females, um, downloading a variety of different ringtones. And uh, one of the things we're kind of keeping our eye on, as are a lot of folks in the in the music industry themselves, is really, is this a, a very much an experimental type of behavior, and is it sustainable over time? Uh, what we have seen is that uh, the proportion of mobile phone owners who have downloaded ringtones has been increasing overall, but past 30-day downloading of ringtones has really tapered off and sort of stabilized. So that really leads some to believe that, um, you know, that that market has in many respects may have topped out. And of course, the next step is uh, a lot of the folks uh, in the industry worrying that, oh, is this where we're going with full song over the air downloads? Now, I think one of the keys to the full song over the air download is going to be to, to have sort of an end game in sight for that content. So once you download it to your phone, what are you, what is the ability, uh, the abilities as far as transferring and porting that music off of that device? If the, the, it's demonstrated to the consumer that that is indeed possible and it's a viable solution and the music is not just on your phone and you can never take it off, I think then you're really demonstrating a, a true value and, and a very valuable means of accessing content on the go that could very well translate into a very sustainable business model moving forward. Very good. Matt Kleinschmidt of Ipsos Insight, thanks very much for being with us on the podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. Coming up on the CompuSchmooze podcast, we'll speak with Brad Metter of Clear Context. That's a software company that's helping users of Microsoft Outlook bring some order and clarity to their email inbox. Back in a sec. You don't want to miss Pod Camp Philly. Pod Camp Philly. 
a free on-conference for both the pod curious and the pod enthusiast. Podcast Philly. Do you create, enjoy, or have interest in blogs, blogs, audio podcasts, web video, content networks, or new media monetization? Then this on-conference is for you. Podcast Philly. For more information, visit podcampphilly.pbwiki.com. Become a sponsor and reap the rewards. Give a presentation and share information, or just attend and learn. Make sure you register so we can let you know the time and place. Podcampphilly.pbwiki.com. Podcamp Philly. I'm very pleased to be on the planning committee participating in Podcamp Philly later this year in Philadelphia. If you're interested in Podcamp Philly, drop us a line at steve at lubetkin.net. And we'll let you know when the details are finalized. Now our conversation with Brad Metter of Clear Context. Brad is Vice President of Operations, and he's responsible for all services and support activities, as well as other numerous business operations. Before joining Clear Context, he was Regional Director of Integrated Delivery in the New York office of Accelerate, an Internet-focused consulting firm. He spoke to us about clear context from a freeway somewhere in California. Brad, uh, thanks very much for taking the time to be with us on the podcast, and uh, welcome. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about how you came up with the concept for clear context. It's an add-in program for Microsoft Outlook. What exactly does it do, and, and what made you think of adding this functionality to Outlook? Well, uh, you know, if, you, if you, talk to, uh, you talk to people about their, their feelings about email, um, they all have a, a love-hate relationship with it. Um, you know, they, they love it because it's you know, a convenient way to communicate with people and uh, you know, it's a very you know, quick way to not only uh, uh, get information and, and, uh, uh, but also to, to store it. Um, they hate it because they get so much of it that they are you know, having a difficult time uh, keeping on top of it you know, and they start experiencing uh, feelings of email overwhelm and it, it just becomes a, a kind of nightmare for them. So we started Clear Context to build tools to help people manage uh, information, uh, in particular email, uh, more efficiently. And our first product is uh, a Clear Context Information Management System, which is a personal assistant for Microsoft Outlook that automatically prioritizes and, or- prioritizes and organizes email uh, tasks and appointments. And so our goal is to help have the tools they need so that they can process their emails more efficiently. And it's a little different. You know, a few years ago, all the talk was about, um, you know, all, all the spam that people received in their, in their inboxes and what could they do to try to try to tackle that. Well, you know, now a lot of, a lot of corporations have, have uh, found ways to kind of mitigate the spam problem, but what they're finding is they still get more legitimate email than they have uh, time in the day to deal with. So that's what Clear Context's goal is to try to help you a figure out which which email is a legitimate email and then help you act on it once once it gets there so that you can uh, uh, so that you can get through it quickly. So, what are some of the things that uh, Clear Context helps people do? How how would a an average person uh, take advantage of this? So there, there are kind of three three areas that, that we uh, that we help out, and uh, again, it's a it's a plug-in within within Microsoft Outlook, and it uh, prioritizes uh, your messages and, and uh, uh, based on several different characteristics. Uh, then it provides the ability to convert email messages to tasks, appointments, uh, et cetera, 
uh, via some automated processing. And then it allows you to keep those messages organized um, via categorization and filing. For the, uh, for the prioritization, you know, when you first install Clear Context, it walks you through a setup process where it looks at your email uh, history and comes up with a, a rank of all of your contacts by, by, uh, basically by volume. It's a, it's a patent-pending process, uh, patent-pending algorithm, but uh, it, it, it largely by volume it looks and ranks your contacts and, and takes a stab at here's, here's, your, here's who we think your most important contacts. Then once setup's complete, it goes in and it analyzes all of the messages in your inbox and prioritizes your email based on several different characteristics. Uh, a large, you know, one, one characteristic is who it's from and that, that contact ranking that we just, we just did in setup. But then we also look at uh, how the message is addressed to you. If it's addressed to you and only you, it's likely to be more important than a message where you're one of 20 people on the CC line. Uh, we also look at, uh, is this an email conversation that you're participating in? So if you send a message out and receive a response, that response is likely to be more important to you than an unsolicited email that comes kind of blindly to you. So we look at all of these different factors and come up with a score for free message and rank your messages based on, on these scores. And then we color code uh, the messages in your inbox and we can optionally order them based on this priority. Uh, the result is you can see right away your most important emails from your most important senders uh, right up at the top of your inbox in red, and you can see you know unknown email you know email from unknown senders or junk mail will appear at the bottom of the inbox in, in gray, kind of out of the way. And it's a very quick way to kind of perform a email triage in your on in your inbox. If you've been away from it for a long time, uh, you can come and you can sit down. You can right away you can see which messages uh, kind of demand your attention. And one of the things that uh, the program also does is uh, it includes a uh, its own set of auto assignment rules that uh, help people to categorize messages more rapidly. Correct, correct. So, 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 in addition to some of the automation that we talked about, you have complete control over you know how we go about uh, assigning these priorities and, and which contacts we rank. And, and one one feature that we provide is uh, auto-assign where you can create a rule. And so, for instance, if you have, uh, if you're working sales, you could create a rule that every time a message came in that, that uh, had, you know, a certain key phrase in it, like, you know, I want to buy your product, uh, we would bump that up. We could automatically bump that up in priority based on that phrase. Or we could uh, change it so that every message that comes from your boss, we're, we're certain that's very important to you, and we, we set that as high priority, and that message will always appear at the top of your inbox. Uh, things like that. On the uh, the toolbars that uh, Clear Context installs in uh, Microsoft Outlook, you also uh, give people the capability of changing um, changing the uh, uh, emails into tasks or into appointments on their calendar, and you can also do some other things like uh, postponing them or or delegating them to others. Talk about that for a little bit. Sure. So so what we were just talking about the prioritization and organization. That that uh, that basically is what uh, one O of our product was, and what we what we found out uh, after we put out one of the one O uh, out into the marketplace, that people really appreciated that, but they they wanted to take take email the next step, which is you know better a better way to manage their email once it's gotten into their inbox. So now you've got your email, you know which email is important to you, uh, 
uh, and which email you need to act on. Well, there are a few things that you're going to do to an email when you get it. You're going to, you know, delete it because it's not important to you. You're going to read it and, and file it away, uh, uh, you know, for, for archiving purposes. Or you're going to create a task or an appointment appointment from it. So we, we provide several different features uh, or several different buttons right, right on the uh, outlet toolbar that allows you to process this email. So, for instance, a message comes in and you look at it and you know you need to act on it, but you don't need to act on it right now. You can click a defer button and you can defer that message for a period of time and it will appear back in your inbox uh, at that designated period of time, unread, calling attention to itself and you, can, you, know, you remind yourself, oh yeah, I need to take care of this. Uh, we've got uh, buttons, as you mentioned, that convert email into tasks or appointments so that uh, once a message comes in, you know, I, I, need to, uh, I need to schedule this meeting when you click the button and it automatically pastes all the contents into an appointment uh, and, and then you save the appointment. Now, the key here is not that we just create the appointment, but that we link all of this information together. So uh, when you go to that appointment, you can open up uh, what we call a related view and you can see not only the original message that you generated the appointment but you can also see all subsequent emails that took place in that email conversation and any other tasks or appointments that have been generated during the course of this email conversation. So it's a, a, a good way to get a clear context for the, the, message, the message conversation that you're working with. Does that make, uh, does that make sense? Absolutely. One of, the, um, one of the methodologies that's getting a lot of uh, buzz on the, uh, in the blogosphere on a lot of blogs is uh, something called getting things done and clear context seems to sort of parallel that methodology of sorting your your inbox into to do's and and uh, delegated tasks and things that you don't have to act on have you did you have any kind of uh connection with that when you were uh, thinking this out well sir, I, yeah i've certainly read the book and 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 uh, you know the, the process that uh, david allen outlines uh, is is a, a very sound one for processing your email. You know, the, the, the idea that um, when you when you touch a piece of information, you do one of, of four or five actions on it. And uh, certainly, uh, clear the, the clear context is built in a way that you could you could adapt it to work with uh, uh, to work with your own personal uh, getting things done process. Um, so for all the you know, as you mentioned, there's a lot of great press for. For uh, GTD, and uh, we have a lot of people, a lot of GTD users who, who take our our tool and using GTD as a framework, they implement this process for for getting through information more efficiently. I can also, for for people interested in that sort of thing, I could recommend another book, uh, which kind of takes uh, the Getting Things Done book is a a very uh, uh, it's, it's an overreaching book, uh, a very generic book on, on you know, how, to, how to take control of your life. There's another book called uh, Total Workday Control from Microsoft Outlook uh, by Michael Lindenberger that takes that you know, the next step and talks about very detailed ways to implement some of the things that are, are written about in GTD in a, a more kind of tactical fashion. And we actually have a partner, partnership with uh, uh, Lindenberger and have a, a made-for-a-TWC version of our product uh, of, of clear context information management system that goes hand in hand with the book. So, what are some of the um, next uh, developments for clear context? Is there um, is there a um, 
are there additional features coming that people should be uh, thinking about or waiting for? We just we just released uh, uh, in the late fall. We just released version uh, three of our our product, and uh, and that that version uh, uh, added uh, a couple of other features like uh, unsubscribe from threads. So uh, if a um, if you're CC'd, let's say on a, a a big joke thread, or someone's having a discussion about uh, uh, where they're going to go for happy hour, and you have no interest in, in uh, participating in that conversation anymore, you click unsubscribe, and those messages are moved automatically out of the out of the inbox and into a unsubscribe folder where you don't have to you don't have to see them right away. Uh, we're currently working on kind of a, a point release, and then we're we're looking to uh, the the next you know the, the next major release, and you'll see clear context. Expand uh, more into you know better uh, task and project management. Those are kind of the direction we're headed into, and then more uh, corporate and enterprise support. So that's, that's kind of the, the direction we're headed with. The and what what um, what would people be looking for in uh, corporate and enterprise support? Well, we're, we're looking for uh, you know, we're, we're looking for ways to uh, you know work better and, and just work better in a corporate environment. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, folks have uh, uh, multiple machines, so we want to do multiple machine support so that, you know, when you're working in, in uh, I've got a laptop and a desktop, we want to make sure that we're syncing information correctly, that sort of thing. We're, we're working on more uh, collaboration. So in, in our 3.0 release, uh, we have uh, really file messages uh, uh, directly from uh, your inbox into uh, a SharePoint site. And so we're looking to expand that and kind of come up with more ways for teams to collaborate. Brad Matter, uh, thanks very much for being with us today. And uh, we look forward to seeing more uh, enhancements for Clear Context. Thank you very much, Steve. I appreciate it. That concludes our program for today. If you have comments or suggestions about these podcasts, please email me at steve at lubetkin, L-U-B-E-T-K-I-N, dot N-E-T. We'd be pleased to receive your audio comments as well, so feel free to send us an MP3 file and we'll use it in a future podcast. We produce these programs in the studios of Professional Podcasts, LLC, in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. This is Steve Lubetkin. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you out there on the net. Take good care. This podcast is a proud member of the New Jersey Podcasters Association. Hey, you got a problem with that?